This is Dating After Death, a podcast sorting out all the complicated emotions that come along with looking for love again after losing our forever person. And I am your currently anonymous host. Okay, before we get to today's interview, I just have to take a second to thank you all because last week I asked people to review the podcast and the number of reviews the show now has compared to a week or two ago has skyrocketed. And I just can't overemphasize how important that is for the longevity of the show. And so just thank you so much. It really, and like, it's just so nice for me to read all of the ways that the show is helping and the things you're enjoying about it. And this really feels like a project of my heart and something that really is for us. And I am overwhelmed that it's being so well received. So thank you again. And now on to today. You're about to hear an interview with Brian Martin, who writes for Soaring Spirits as one of their LGBTQ contributors and who dances his way through Instagram and TikTok. Brian has found love again after losing his partner, Clayton. I was really excited to talk to Brian and I'm so thankful he said yes to the podcast. And he had so many great insights, including things like this. When you listen to music, you have the ability to connect with somebody who feels the way you do in the moment, or you can lean in to somebody who has the feeling that you just need to borrow. Did you hear that? That you can borrow a feeling from music? He was just able to put words to something that I have felt for so long and haven't been able to articulate. And I love when that happens. It's like somebody just gives you the verbiage that you have been sort of searching for and needing. Anyway, the conversation's so great, and I think you're going to love it. So let's get going. Brian, thank you so much for doing this with me. Of course. Um, You are just, you know, the smile and joy that is in my Instagram feed. I'm sure you get that all the time. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I do. But then, like, the beauty of what you're doing for my world and my perspective is that you just like exude joy in all of those things. And then you also are super vulnerable about your widow walk and this, how this journey has been for you. Obviously that's what I want to talk to you about and about the men in your life and all of that. So (laughs) if you want to start by telling us about Clayton and. Yeah. So Clayton, he was just a fantastic guy. Mm. He and I actually met at a bar in Atlanta, and we had mutual friends. He was in a relationship. I just got out of one, a very rough one. uh, And Mm. we just, we hit it off. There was just something about him. But when the night was over, you know, he was was going home, and I was going home. Neither one of us were in a spot to do anything. So... I was like, all right, well, that's just, it's just a new friend and that's great. Okay. And I didn't really see him a whole lot. Uh, And a couple of years after we were friends on Facebook and a couple of years after uh, I was asked out on a date by this guy. And so I went out with him and he lived in really trendy lofts that were Mm. in Atlanta. And I happened to be also looking for a place to live. He and I, we realized we were just not going to click very nice guy, um, yeah. very talented interior designer. And I said, is it really weird if I if I end up buying a place in the same lofts that you're in? Like, yeah. And he's like, no, that's cool. So I ended up buying a place there and he and his roommate 
they both invited me down to a pool party. So I went down to the pool party and lo and behold, I hear, hey, Brian. And I was like, who is this? And Clayton was there. He lived there and I didn't know it. Oh my gosh. And the guy I went out on a date with was actually his boss. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So we- There's nothing awkward about this at all. Right, nothing nothing awkward at all. And uh, so we ended up starting to hang out and starting to, you know, I was like, oh, how's your boyfriend? He's like, no, I'm single. And He's like, you must be taken. I'm like, no, I'm not. And we just started to talk. And I really like that in line of how's your boyfriend? Just like right. the ass- the assumption. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to. I'm going to use that. That was like the last thing that I knew. So, so yeah. So after three months, uh, his lease was going to be up and I owned my place. So he moved in and, and then all the, the magics happened. We knew we were going to be together and we didn't like the Atlanta the city itself. It was too much. We wanted to live by the beach. So mm-hmm. we followed my career down to Fort Walton Beach where I work at an aquarium. And then his mom moved there. So we started to have this like family set up, started to make friends. Yeah. And, you know, he was just the six foot three and a half burly guy that just really loved interior design. He was very an architectural designer, very mm-hmm. creative and um, just had a sailor's mouth and <laughs> but was was a complete sweetheart at the yeah. same time very very sweet and caring would do anything for his friends and so we thought we had you know we had it we were going to have our little beach life we were going to eventually get married and it was going to be our forever home and in june of 2017 my dad passed away so mm-hmm. we flew up to massachusetts and dealt with all of the things that happened there. And Mm -hmm. Clayton had actually gotten a ringworm infection in his leg from working in his mom's yard. Mm -hmm. And it just kept spreading. Like he would put on the, you know, you get it. It's Florida. It's it's a normal thing down here. And he put the topical creams on and it wasn't working. When we got back from my dad's funeral, of course, my brain's a mess. I'm trying to understand. I'm I'm 38 and I just lost my dad. Yeah. How's my mom doing, right? My mom's widowed. Like, how do I handle her? Because yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> Love and behold. Right. Um, and so Clayton just started to be tired a lot and sick. Mm. And that was not him at all. I mean, he could, he was had a, a great, he was very, very healthy. And he went to the doctor and they gave him antifungals because he it had gotten into his bloodstream mm-hmm. and they kept upping the dose. And he wasn't one to really ask questions, but because I work with animals, I did and I would see mm-hmm. his dosage. One day I just said, you need to ask your doctors. This isn't right. I like, I don't even know of a dolphin that would be on this dose without having their liver checked constantly. And he's like, you know, this is what the doctors are giving me and it'll be all right. And I went on a trip in September for work and came back and he was extremely sick. A hurricane was coming that night. So we didn't go to the doctor. I'm like, we'll go in the morning. And the next morning I woke up and he was yellow. And I rushed him to the hospital. We got there and the doctor pulled me aside and said, I'm really sorry about your friend. He's in full liver failure. And he has about eight months. And I said, that that's not my just my friend. That's my partner. We're going to get married. And he, yeah. he just looked at me and he said, I'm really sorry about your friend. And he turned Ugh. around and walked away. Oh, my God. Right? Like, you don't. I, I mean, sensitive. I, I get I live more in the South. 
but you just don't expect you don't expect to get that kind of a thing right in the middle of when you're hearing that your person is going to be gone uh so i took care of him with his mom's help for the next eight months and then he he had to be in hospice so we decided that he wasn't going to stay in our apartment we had three flights of stairs and no elevator so we set him up at his mom's house and that's where he spent his last days. And actually, April 15th of 2018, he was, it was probably the worst I had seen him. And I went over to visit and I knew it was coming. Yeah. It's such such a hard, it's a, such a hard thing to be a caregiver, but there's never like, there's never a good way to lose somebody because yeah. so many times when you're a caregiver, you're like, I just wish this happened faster. But yeah. when you're someone who gets there's loss by surprise. You're like, I just wish I had more time, you know, like, yeah. so it really, you never can win. And I just, I looked at him and I was like, you're feeling tired today. And he's like, yes, yeah, I am. And I said, today is my sister's birthday. And he just nodded mm. and we moved on in the conversation. And I got a phone call from his mom at three. Um, no, at three in the morning, I woke up suddenly and I had the dog and the cat on top of me and they were never like that. And I knew. Hmm. A few hours later, his mom called me and that was four years ago. And so when you said to him, it's my sister's birthday, was that your hope that he would hold on through that day? Yeah. Yeah. He's a very, very strong, strong person. And, and I know family meant a lot to him. So Hmm. basically that was me asking, I'm like, this is her day. Just Mm. hold out a little bit longer because I didn't ever want her birthday to be associated with that. Yeah. My husband actually died on his brother's birthday. Yeah. And, you know, it's just it's just one of those things where the whole family is sort of like, can we just pick a new day? You know, but it's you just you can't. Right. For either either thing. So, yeah. Was there any any hope of a transplant? For a little while, they had made some suggestions about it and we were trying to get him into the Mayo Clinic everything was so difficult Mm. so so difficult I think people don't realize that the LGBTQ community has to deal with a lot of little things that others don't Mm. and stuff seemed to be pushed off doctors weren't treating him or me well you know, they were just so sorry. walking in and going, wow, you must really like to drink if you're getting this sick. And what? he hasn't had any alcohol at all. He's five months into this illness and diagnosis and he's not like, what are you doing? And it was just very judgmental. Um, and at the very end, his mom was trying everything. His mom's like, I will medically fly him out to the Mayo Clinic if we can. The doctor pulled me in and he goes, look, I know this is tough. His whole body is falling apart. No one is going to give him an organ that could actually save somebody. Okay. So at some point, the rest of his organs started failing as well. Yeah. And I don't know if that was just because the disease had developed so quickly Mm -hmm. or if part of it was just because the way we were brushed off and treated that he didn't get what he should have in time. All I know is that he's not here anymore. Yeah. And, you know, you graciously said that the LGBTQ community is dealing with a lot of little things, but that's kind of an enormous thing. I mean, it is an enormous thing like that you would get any lesser care than anyone else is abhorrent. Yeah, I'm sorry that you went through that. Thank you. Yeah, there's there's lots of it's just a different thing. People don't even associate being widowed with our community so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted because, to talk to you about that. Yeah, because there's so much 
importance placed on the actual act of marriage and having a piece of paper with your name on it. Yes, it's important, but really in it isn't if you know in your heart you're with the person. Of course. So much stuff doesn't actually translate or people don't even think about it. They'll say, oh, he was just your partner. He was just your boyfriend. <laughs> and I was like, we didn't get to that point yet, but we were yeah. planning. He was never a just. He was an always. Yes. And even if you had made the decision to never get married or if anybody makes that decision with their partner... It's still a widowing when their partner dies. Right. I know a lot of people reach out to me and say, like, I'm not sure if I should use that term or if I fit in the widow community. I'm like, of course you do. Like anybody who loses their person. I mean, the word itself, I know everyone doesn't love, but I I really appreciate you sort of just taking ownership of it and making it part of your story. Widowed for sure. It gets real weird when it's widow and widower because mm. I feel I feel like when somebody calls me a widower, I feel like I'm the one that did it. Like I'm oh. the one that helped him to die because it's it sounds more like an action. Yes, like, it does. You're you know, right. A murderer. <laughs> like yeah. A widower. <laughs> like you're the person that resulted in it. And for me, I mean I could I could I try not to get overly sensitive about a lot of things because that's so easy nowadays like everything's a trigger but it doesn't need to be uh, but that gets me because I know how much I poured my soul and mm-hmm. care to have the opposite happen yeah so I feel like that word not only is not correct because it does make it sound like you're the one that hurt your person mm-hmm. but also it i feel like that word then negates everything that i did to try to keep him alive yeah that's really interesting um so is there any community in the lgbtq community for widows there is a huge community people do not realize that and that is also another reason why i share so authentically i just want everyone to know that they're not alone yes that is the worst thing for people there is um i am a blog writer for soaring spirits international which is an amazing amazing organization and they actually wanted to make sure that their blog writers one of us each has one of the days of the week that the lgbtq plus community was represented in some fashion and of course my story is also very different from other lgbtq yeah i have no idea what it would be like to be trans and then lose like there's there's a whole other layer to that so i hope that i'm doing my community justice in the best way that i can knowing that i cannot convey all of the experiences that the LGBTQ widowed community has, but at least it's a stepping stone. Yeah. And so, yeah, so Soaring Spirits has just been incredible and they have what they call it widowed camp, which sounds a little Mm. strange to people. Yeah. No, there's also a camp widow. Is it the same or is it different? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's camp widow. uh, And people are like, what are you talking about? Like you're all like around a fireplace crying. I'm like, that's not it. That's not it. There, there is such healing when you're around Mm. people who just get it and you don't even have to talk about it you just know they know and that makes things way easier and uh, I helped them have the first LGBTQ widowed 
camp day event out in yeah. LA a couple of years ago uh, before the pandemic hit. And it's it's amazing. There's Facebook support groups. Yeah. We have Zoom calls every single week if people want to jump on and just talk or listen. So there is a lot of support and resources. Yeah. Just getting the information out so people know because people won't look outwardly look for it sometimes. Yeah. But it's there. And is your blog linked in your Instagram page? As Sea Lion Brian. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Sea Lion Brian. You will find me on all the places. Um, okay. I want to make my stuff as accessible as possible. So yeah. I usually will post exactly the same thing on both platforms because there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that prefer each. So if they just go to the link in my bio, they'll find my blog, but that will also take them to Soaring Spirits and they can read the blogs of other widowed people. which might resonate better with them. It doesn't have to be my story that everyone connects to. It's the fact that I can connect them to a place where they don't feel as scared and alone. And they know that there's other people that have gone through what they've gone through and continue to move forward. Yeah. You seem to me like a really great person to be a speaker at Camp Widow. Has that happened yet? (laughs) It did. I did do uh, a little bit there. Uh, Hopefully I'll be able to get to another one soon. And uh, I'm always, I'm always happy to get up and and share my story and give people some hope and dance. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Brian, we have to move on and talk about dating. Yes. (laughs) So what was like the thought process for you after Clayton died? Can you take us like a little bit on on a journey of after he died and then what it was like to get to a place where you were ready to sort of date again and meet someone else? Yeah, uh, this is a great, it's a great question and a great topic that nobody really has ever asked me. Really? Yeah. That always shocks me. I think people are afraid to, I think, ask for some little details. I think some people are afraid they don't want to upset you. Mm. Some people just never want to date again. And that's Mm -hmm. just the way that it is. I had a few people who over time, they asked, well, are you you going to date again? And Mm -hmm. some of their intention was maybe you shouldn't. Hmm. Some of their intention was you should so you can move on and forget mm. about him. Yeah. It, it, but I know that it was all coming from a place. They just wanted to make sure that I was happy, Yeah, which I give people more grace than some people who are widowed mm-hmm. because there are all these emotions. But I try to understand that people are, are just trying to help out and may not have the right wording. So, so I had, that is gracious. (laughs) Sometimes I lose it (laughs) and I have, I very much lost it on a number of of occasions. Um, actually, as a matter of, uh, as a matter of fact, people who follow me will know that I have a very old hat that Clayton gave me and I I stopped wearing it because it's really falling apart. But people like would just say, can you throw that ratty thing away? And I'd lose my mind. My, I would complete on social media. I can be so positive and I try to be, but right in the comments, I would destroy them. <laughs> like, I don't want anyone to ask me this again. Well, yeah. So when it came to dating, I think in a way where I live kind of helped and, and hurt in a lot of ways because I'm in the Florida panhandle and mm-hmm. let's be honest this is not a huge gay culture. Mm. Like I said, some of the doctors really 
I felt mistreated us. And yeah. there are a lot of people that wouldn't necessarily support, you know, who I am. And there isn't a big community here. Yeah. Tried to meet people. There are Facebook groups. Of course, there's apps you get on there. But everything just felt sleazy. Everything just mm-hmm. felt dirty. And I didn't want that. I didn't mm-hmm. want to all of a sudden be back in my early 20s doing the dating game, mm-hmm. knowing that it's games. And if we're going to you know, call a spade a spade, the gay community is not always focused on having a relationship mm-hmm. or having just one person in your relationship. And I don't judge anybody for mm-hmm. anything that they do. As If they're happy, I'm happy for them. That is not me. Yeah. I want my person. Yeah. That is what I want. And I was finding all sorts of versions of things that I just was not interested in. Mm-hmm. I didn't didn't want to be out there going to the bars and drinking. None of that was ever really a thing for me. Yeah. I just wanted my person and my person was gone. Yeah. So can I just say that like this is so relatable. Even though, you know, you're talking about a subculture within the community you live in. I think especially for people who live in small towns, this is something I hear a lot too. It's like the pool is so small that like, what do I do? Where do I go? Mm. And then also just this idea of not wanting to like get into that same rut of dating like you did in your twenties. It's yeah. When you have that thing that's beyond that, like when you're young and you're going out and you're going to the bars and it's fun and you're meeting people, I totally get it. I was there. Yeah, of course. When you're like, I'm ready for the house and (sighs) the the backyard and the dogs Mm -hmm. and, you know, the paddle boards and all, you know, just the, just the things like you're just ready for that. Like you just wanted to start the family. It was really hard and it's a small town and people know everything. Mm -hmm. So I ended up, like occasionally going out on dates with people wasn't really going to work. Or I had some people that were like, yeah, you know, I hear you're a nice guy, but I heard that your partner passed away and I don't think I can deal with that. So I had rejection from people because I was damaged goods. And I think in a lot of ways (laughs) at the moment, it was frustrating because I was trying to make that step. And that took a year at least before I really felt okay doing that. Yeah. And actually, that's an interesting story. The first person that I actually dated, um, it just, it took a little while to get involved in that. But I think because of the weirdness in the small town, it kept me focused on myself. And I think that's really where I needed to stay. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to go out and do all the things if people do. Again, I don't judge anybody, but for me, that would have been bad news. Yeah. It would have been bad news to go out, not pay attention to what I'm doing, just date everybody. That's not what I wanted. So it forced me to pay attention to myself. The first guy that I dated after Mm -hmm. the fact, which was about a year later, was really nice and very sweet, but then something didn't quite click. Mm. And I told him that. I was like, I think we're better being friends. And he said, Mm -hmm. well, wait a minute. I thought that this was going to be like a forever thing. And I was like, well, Mm. it's only been a few months. And he's, and he said, but you stayed with Clayton while he was dying. So I figured you would stay. What? Right. 
So what? now <laughs> I have people who didn't want to date me because I was broken. And then somebody who wanted to date me because they thought no matter what, I would always be there. Whether it, it wasn't based on me and our relationship. It was based on the fact that he <laughs> knew that I would, right? Like, I don't, it's just... it's like, I don't even know. <laughs> The, I, yes, I like I don't. I'm not usually at a loss for words. I'm not sure what to say about that one. That was a very interesting conversation. So, huh, okay, yes. yes. <laughs> well, you are really likable, Ryan. So, okay. <laughs> I try. All right. So then you broke up with him, and then how did things progress? So <laughs> things, it was a start and stop. There were a few dates here and there and it just, things were not panning out well. And I'm like, I'm just not finding the right person. I'm not finding the right person. And I think this was, I went through year one was a fog after Clayton. Oh, yeah. oh, year yeah. two was the year of anger. I was mm. so mad, so mad. And then year three, I feel like I kind of just, I gave up and I said, well, it is what it is. I'll always be by myself. I stopped taking care of myself. I gained Mm -hmm. 40 pounds. I was, uh, well, we also had a pandemic. So how many people have been widowed just before, during, right after? Like that's a whole other storm. It really just made me stop. I, I remember vividly, not this Christmas, the past Christmas, I was home with my family and I was looking around and I had oh, I had all this extra weight on me. I was eating what I want, drinking what I want, and I was getting headaches. I was just starting to feel real junky. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was like, well, I guess this is it. And I almost reached her aspirin mm. and I panicked. I now realize that I have a big fear of medication. Okay. My dad passed away. He was stuck on opioids, Clayton. So I was like, okay. In order for me to take care of myself, I need to make sure I'm taking care of myself and yeah. not leaning into this world. Medication has its place by all means. I am not saying anything about that, but I am terrified that I might take something. So I immediately switched gears and started to lose weight and turned year four, right? Because I'm in year five, turned year four into the year that was about me. And I lost the weight, didn't care about dating, nothing at all. Did my thing. I was doing social media, really Mm -hmm. enjoying it small town here, very supportive because of what I was doing, I started to feel better about myself. Mm. And then I realized how many other people were not feeling better. Mm. And so I started sharing my blog because I didn't share it from the beginning. I only posted it on Soaring Spirits. So I started sharing that and then my dancing. Mm. And I was getting messages from people going, how are you dealing with being widowed? And then all of a sudden you can be joyful the next day, <laughs> I said, I have to be. I'm the only person that can control that. Yes. But if I do that and it makes somebody else smile who's had a rough day and then they go and make someone else smile, mm-hmm. well, then we're winning. Like, why don't we just, just keep yeah. going? And that is how all of this started to happen. Yeah. It's it's incredible. I'm getting off on a tangent, but. No, you're good. I, I just like, you know, the answer to that question in my mind of like, how are you doing this? The joyful and the widow. It's like, this is grief. This is it. And it's so confusing and emotional. And yes, but it makes total sense to me, yeah. you know, as a griever. So confusing. And back on the the aspect of dating, I did want to find somebody. And I felt, I finally felt 
ready. Mm. I felt ready last spring because I had lost weight. I felt better about myself. Not in a, oh, I lost weight and now I'm valuable. It was, I feel better. And I was continuing to post things. And I had posted uh, a video on Clayton's death anniversary of him and I wishing him just a a happy anniversary in heaven, right? Mm. Flip the script. I could be sad that he's not here, but I could celebrate that he's not in pain anymore. And I posted that on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Somewhere out in the algorithm world, TikTok (laughs) decided that they were going to drop it into the phone of a young, handsome gentleman named Devin. Oh, that's how he found you? no reason at all, because he wasn't (laughs) following anything of mine. The hashtags weren't anything at all. I literally believe that Clayton put it in his phone because he saw that, jumped over to Facebook, read my blog. Mm. He's not widowed, but he's divorced. So Mm -hmm. he could resonate with a lot of the loss of a love. Yeah. And then we became friends on Facebook. We started talking and then everything clicked. And it was like, magic mm. complete magic i love it so and now he lives here and we have a cat three dogs <laughs> <laughs> there's a joke that we were lesbians we just got a u-haul after the first date <laughs> is that a le- is that a lesbian joke yeah yeah the stereotypes exist for a reason they move <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I love all my lesbian friends, but that's sure. just a, it's, it's just one of those jokes. Like, yeah. but so everybody made fun <laughs> of us for a little while. Um, and that's, so that's how dating was for me. Definitely figuring out, like having somebody sleep in the bed, mm. like felt great, but felt strange. Mm. Like, you know, like, did you share this house with Clayton? The one you're in now? No, this okay. was this was one that when Devin was moving here, we wanted to buy a house with a backyard yeah. for the dogs and stuff. But he moved into the apartment where Clayton and I were, and that okay. was really really hard for me to figure out leaving. Yeah, because he yes. hung up all of the pictures. He yeah. did so. Anything I was taking down was an action that he did. Mm. And it was really, it's something you just don't ever think about. Yeah. Okay. So I heard you say that he's divorced, and I think at at this, at a certain stage in your life, a lot of the people who are dateable are now divorced. And in my recent relationship, he was also divorced for lots of reasons. He was wonderful for this. It was challenging because he came from something super broken and, uh, that really wasn't working. And mm-hmm. I came from something that was long lasting and supposed to be forever and wonderful. So how is that working for the two of you? It's going really, really well. There were some, like, I don't want to say hiccups at the beginning, but just things that, like, your mind does, Mm -hmm. you know, or we would say we're just in fear, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we just, you don't want it to happen again. And I think us being super honest with each other about what happened in our relationships before really helped because sometimes people don't share enough. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because they're told or taught that emotions should be withheld or you don't have to air out your dirty laundry. I mean, if it's dramatic and crazy, yeah, don't go sharing it with the whole world, but share it with the person that you're with because they'll understand you better. And, you know, there, there were things that his ex did that really upset him. Mm-hmm. And there would be comments that are like a joke, I might say, and I would catch that it might be a little off, mm-hmm. you know, and I would say, what did I just say? Did, mm-hmm. did that cause something? And 
it was an open discussion and he, he would fill in the gaps and I go, now I know never to say something like that again, even though it was just a joke and he would yeah. know the same thing. And also for me, I would wake up every morning and immediately check on him. Is he alive? Mm-hmm. I would text him and I wouldn't hear and I would get very upset. Not because I didn't get an answer right away. Yeah. I was worried for his safety. There's a, yeah. there's a fear that's built in when you go through that kind of a loss yeah. and you can't make it go away, but you can understand it. And I think that's the biggest thing for him and I is that we have a huge understanding of the other one's past. Mm-hmm. So we know what the other fears are. So we can really kind of comfort each other. And I think that has been one of the most beautiful things that I have been a part of. He's so amazing when it comes to anything about Clayton. And I asked him, I said, is it strange that I bring him up in conversation every day? It's not that I want him back and replace you, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't even know. I'm not the person that I was when I was with Clayton. So if Clayton magically came back, I don't know what would happen. Yeah. And that conversation is like, I feel like sort of dangerous and unnecessary anyway, because that's an impossibility. So to like have that conversation of, do I pick you or him if you're both in the room together? It's like, is that a productive conversation? Yeah. But to be honest, I said, look, he's gone. That's it. Yeah, exactly. So if he were to come back, I'm not the same person. Yeah. Like would that... Would that be great for television? Sure. <laughs> but like, that's not, that's not the case. And we're just really open about it. And mm-hmm. I, I did, I asked him, does it bother you? And he said, it would actually bother me if you didn't talk about him. Cause yeah. I would wonder you should miss him. And yeah. so the openness there and the understanding is huge. So anybody yeah. listening to this, if you're, you know, if you're dating somebody who's gone through a loss and that could be anything being widowed, being divorced. Mm-hmm. If you if you accept that and accept that they have gone through something and you can incorporate that into your relationship and know that it's not a threat. Yeah. Know that it's actually the reason they're with you now, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would not have Devin if Clayton hadn't passed away. And I'm right. so grateful for what I have right now. Yeah, of course. I always say don't project that problem onto your new situation, whatever that is, because it will destroy it. It will will ultimately destroy what you have if you can't let it go. So acknowledge it, admit it, talk about it, but work through it. Yeah. That has served me very well. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like open communication is the name of the game. There is nothing to hide and there's a lot to share in the brain of (laughs) the widowed for sure. I can't speak for those who are divorced. When you were first dating, so when he first found you on social media, why do you think he was like open to being with someone who was widowed? Because I feel like that's like a thing. So I always feel like I want to get to the heart of like, why is somebody willing to date me as a widow, right? Did he he have something like that? Yeah, it was seeing my video. I am who I am all the time. Mm -hmm. Some days it's super happy and joyful and goofy. Some days I'm tired and I just don't want to. (laughs) Here we go. That's normal life. There's nothing that I do that's not normal for someone else on the planet. Mm -hmm. And so that takes away the pressure and I don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm a good person and I try to help people. And so I think when I share, I shared openly about Clayton's anniversary because I thought that it would honestly help somebody. 
I really did. It helps me to share because then people will support me. So there's, you know, I get benefit from that. The fact that he saw that and went over to my Facebook and decided he started reading my blogs every week. Mm -hmm. And he told me every Saturday I would go, I would check out what you wrote. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's powerful. Like that's influence yeah. in a, in a good way, right? Yeah. The word influencer can be great or a dirty sure. word, sure. Time. but I, I would like to say I'm a clean influencer. Maybe, oh, I, like that. maybe I just patented that, right? Yes. Quote, air quotes, <laughs> clean influence. Nobody steal it. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that that's where he started, he started at the heart, my hardest thing. Uh, yeah. He started at the worst, but also the best part of me, mm-hmm. right? Like your, your strengths are actually your weaknesses. Like we try to separate them, but really, depending on how you pivot and use oh, yeah. them to your advantage, your actual worst day could be yeah. could be your shining moment. Yeah. And I think him seeing that and seeing me for who I was through that, and then the next day maybe dancing, posting something mm-hmm. positive, posting something about an animal, like a penguin, right? Like penguins, mm-hmm. you want to get a boyfriend? <laughs> um, it's like the guys who put their their first profile picture holding a puppy right I'm like yeah. you know that the women are gonna like the puppy picture <laughs> right yes that is strategic <laughs> it is strategic so i think i think by being authentically me from the get-go there was nothing to hide at all mm-hmm. and i think that that laid it open for him to decide mm-hmm. you know if he wanted to engage in any conversation i saw his, his facebook i'm like he's too handsome he won't talk to me oh my so, gosh <laughs> i was like forget this and you then are also day, handsome thank Brian. <laughs> and then one day he posted a picture of food that he made and i made a joke i was mm-hmm. being flirty and i made a comment i said well this makes you husband material and then we went back and forth in the comments mm-hmm. that turned into a discussion in messenger which mm-hmm. turned into a facetime and we facetimed every single day since so, oh my god really yeah. <laughs> oh, that is too good so I, I think it's just being open and sharing and, and just saying hey i'm ready but just understand that i'm gonna miss yeah. him I'm going to miss yeah. Clayton. I'm going to miss my dad. Like I just, you know, and that's the other thing. People get so weirded out because you're widowed. It's your person. It's the person that you're supposed to be in the fairy tale relationship with. Yeah. That brings so much fear. No one, nobody gets jealous when you're sad that your dad died. Yeah. Nobody gets <laughs> jealous if you're sad that your child dies. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you like, you know, you should get over it. Yeah, like you would never say that to somebody. Yeah, because it's terrible to say that. Of course, it's interesting that the the widowed community has to deal with that twist yeah. where we are sometimes put in a box. You're done. You had your chance. Hmm. No more. You're in the tower and no one's coming. It's so frustrating to yeah. me. Yeah, I also had this woman message me just this week, and she said. You know, I've just started dating online. It's been about four years. And a guy I was chatting with asked how long it had been. I told him it had been four years since my husband died. And he said to me, four years, don't you think you should be over it by now? Yeah. And I said to her, I don't want to tell you what to do. You can make your own decisions. But I think you should stop talking to him right now. (laughs) Because that person will never have the empathy you need to walk this journey. And it also is slightly shocking to me that like anybody could take that approach. Uh, like, yeah. I, some people use the, are you over it? Not realizing. So that's just a matter of educating the masses to just 
can it with that yeah. term because it's awful. Yes, totally. Are you moving forward? Where are you in that yes. journey? Like how how do you feel? You know, th- those are all great things. But yeah. saying, are you over it? Like, or you should be over it by now. Like, mm, yeah, I know you're being so gracious, Brian. That's your nature. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be, but also yeah. I'm Irish. I'm short, <laughs> and I'm. Um, and I'm a Scorpio, so we have, I'll be loyal to a point, but. <laughs> <laughs> but don't mess with my hat. <laughs> don't mess with my hat. <laughs> okay, so I feel like your story with Devin, to me, like I watch this and it feels incredibly hopeful to me. And, you know, I know that that's essentially what you're about, right? Is about like building hope for people. Mm-hmm. There's like a few widows who have repartnered and I see their life and I'm like, it's possible, right? The joy will come again. I will find somebody who I'm madly in love with again. And that's exciting. So thank you for sharing all that inside stuff with us. (laughs) Hey, babe. Inside stuff. Yeah. Hey, babe. Now, every time I say, hey, babe, I see your face in my mind. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Positive influencer, right? <laughs> That's right. You Being are. influencer. <laughs> um, I think it's really important for people to understand because I have actually, I've had widowed people recently. I mm. had a gentleman who he and I have followed each other on Facebook or no, Instagram for a while. He lost his partner shortly after I lost Clayton. Mm. You know, we, we were having conversations here and there, not like of a dating sort, just like a support kind of a thing. And he got real quiet. I just didn't really hear much from him. And I thought, oh, I'm just busy. He yeah. messaged me the other day and he basically said, I have to apologize to you. So why? He said, I saw that you found somebody new and I haven't yet. And I got so mad. I wanted everything to get taken away from you because I was oh. so hurt. And then I realized mm-hmm. that you deserve it and I deserve it. And it's mm-hmm. just not my time yet. And I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And that right there, like just spoke volumes to me about how hurt people can be. And I understood the space he was in because I would yeah. see other people before Devin and I met. And again, I just, I knew he didn't mean it from a terrible place. He's just so hurt. Yeah. And I told him, I'm so sorry that you felt that way and you will find somebody and I mm-hmm. get it. And I accept your apology. I never knew you were mad at me, but I also understand why you did it. Yeah. So it's just, there's so many layers to it. And I tell people time and time again, yeah. I started doing things every day. I decided even if I was sad all day, I was going to pick one thing to do yep. that brought me joy. I would pick my favorite song and I would play it yes. with my headphones on and I would dance in the kitchen. Yeah. Everything else was done. I wasn't going to mm-hmm. look at my phone. I was just going to enjoy the three minutes of that song. Mm-hmm. And it was that one act for myself, I think, is what actually led me to where I am now. Mm-hmm. I told myself I deserved joy and mm-hmm. that. I could generate it. You can't wait for it to show up in your own life. Yeah. You have to generate joy first for yourself and then let it spread to other people and people will see that and people will want to be a part of it and then they will come to you. Totally. You are so attractive Hmm. because of your positivity and your happiness and what you can do to help other people that people come running, running. Yeah. All right. Um, so we're going to do some quick questions. Sure. If that's all right. Okay. Um, so they are generally yes, no, or maybe. Some of this is about dating, so we'll just have to go back in time. Um, so did you actually engage in online dating or were you just perusing? 
Yes, I did. Okay. Did you put your widow status on your profile? Yes, I did. Oh, interesting. Why'd you make that choice? Because that's who I am. And if somebody doesn't want me for who I am, I want, they're not my person. Yes. Okay. Um, Do you see yourself getting married someday? Yes, I do. (laughs) Is Devin going to listen to this? Yes, he is. Have you told him Probably right outside the door. (laughs) But you guys are open communicators, so I'm sure he already knows. Yes. Um, I've had many, many comments where he's like, hmm, gee, I wonder. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, do you see yourself having kids? Yes. Mm. After Clayton died, did you consider sexual experiences with other genders other than his? No. Okay. Um. We talked about the sleepovers in your bed, which was a yes. Um, How did you swipe on somebody named Clayton or who looked like him? Good question. I paused Mm -hmm. and sat there and said, right, ready? Let's be honest. Yeah. You look so much like him. Mm -hmm. Can I do it? Yeah. Does it make me feel like he's back? Mm. Some people would say, go for it. I said, he's not coming back. Mm-hmm. This is not okay. It's not healthy. Could be the nicest person in the world. Yeah. But right now, no. Okay. Fair enough. Um, have you heard the term widow's fire? Um, a little bit. Okay. Not- so it's basically just this idea that like you it very intensely crave intimacy or physical contact. Did you mm-hmm. have that? I think... I'm a gay man, so that's just kind of like a daily occurrence. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. But I'm or a guy. Like right? That's just how we think all the time, right? I'm just a guy. I you know, there were there were times where I very much did not like no, and then other times, yes. Okay. I but there were times where I personally didn't feel comfortable in my own skin, hmm. let alone, I mean, I had gained weight and everything. Yeah. Like I just, I didn't even like, like I'm, I'm not trying to be graphic. I just mean like being in the shower and washing myself in general in the shower. Yeah. And like, I, I just didn't even like that. I just didn't even mm-hmm. want, I felt so unhuman Yeah, that mm. even just, having somebody reach out at work and touch my shoulder. I was like, I don't, I don't want anybody to touch me Mm. at all. That's like, that's a really interesting way to explain it, to say that you felt unhuman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so you gave me a couple song recommendations, which I have to say totally made me laugh. Like, (laughs) because almost everybody gives me song recommendations and they're like super sappy (laughs) or it's, it's the make you cry songs. And you were like, Oh no. So um, your first your first one was Hold On by Wilson Phillips, mm-hmm. which I will tell you I listened to on the way here because I was like, is this a grief song? So explain to us, please, why you chose that song. When that song came out, I knew that I was gay and mm-hmm. I was bullied very badly. Mm-hmm. And I just kept telling myself, you just just get through get through homeroom and you'll be away from them and in first class mm-hmm. just hold on and get through recess so because you're not good at sports 
they're picking on you, but you're really good at biology and that's what's coming up next. Hmm. Hold on. You're almost done with the bus ride and they'll stop flicking you in the back of the ear and throwing stuff at you. Just hold on. Just hold hmm. on. Hold on. You only have four more years of high school. Hold on. You know, it was, yeah. it was me constantly telling myself when that song came out was just, just give it one more day. Yeah. And I think it all ties in a lot with grief in general. When I was in high school, I had a friend who did die by suicide. Um, yeah. He did. And I am extraordinarily sensitive to it. Yeah. Very sensitive to it. I knew I felt what it was like to lose someone that way. I saw what it did to his family. And I was like, there's just, if I could do something that tells someone to hold on just yeah. one more day, because you never know what that next day is going to bring you. You don't, yeah. I mean, look at everything that's fallen into my life. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So that was, that song got me through a lot of stuff. And I played that when Clayton died, but that's, that's why. That's why. Yeah. Listening to you tell that story about being a kid who was bullied. I just like, I'm looking at you and like trying really hard not to cry just because I know all those kids, you know, like you're such a success, N not in terms of like your number of followers or anything, but just like you obviously have joy in your life and you're such a great role model for kids that like, it really is a beautiful life after you get through the shit and hopefully there's not a lot of shit, but like. I'm thankful for you, for those kids, you know. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Your second song. <laughs> Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Can't stop the feeling. This is going to really mess with my playlist, Brian. Because <laughs> That's what I'm here for. It's like set on set on. Yes. There is this feeling deep inside my bones mm. <laughs> right? oh my God, this it's electric right like <laughs> it, literally the words just exude pure happiness yeah pure happiness and i find that i love dancing and i think music brings in in so many ways it could be the really devastating songs it could be the angry alanis morissette mm. stuff <laughs> When you listen to music, you have the ability to connect with somebody who feels the way you do in the moment, or you can lean in to somebody who has the feeling that you just need to borrow. And that mm. for me is where that song comes in. I needed that song so much because what people don't realize is it's okay to ask for help. Sometimes you can't ask for help. It's really difficult, but you know what? Music doesn't require you to ask. Mm. All you have to do is turn it on. Yes. It is there. It is ready for you in the notes, in the harmony, in the melody, in the movement. And it just, it causes you to feel no matter what it is, you will feel more of everything when the music hits. Mm. And that in and of itself shows you that you have more feelings than what you're trapped in. Mm. So when you feel trapped and you want to be sad, put on a really sad song because mm -hmm. you will experience that emotion. And that's what you need to do because you can't push it down. You can't get over it. You have to move 
through the emotion. You have to accept it. You have to absorb it. You have to understand why it's there. You're supposed to learn something. And then on the other side is something else. And so really enveloping yourself into the moment gives you power. If you want someone to say, hold on one more day, you put that song on, you turn it on full blast and you listen to it over and over and over again, because you just need somebody to say, hold on. And you're not comfortable reaching out and calling somebody. If you are like, I just don't want to feel like this anymore. I'm sad all day. I don't have joy. I don't have happiness. Then you go and grab the song of all songs, (laughs) even if it's ridiculous. And you put it on because in that moment, that is what you need. Borrow that energy, Mm. borrow the emotions that are there because it will unlock something in you. Or put on the saddest song you can find and just have a cry and get it out. Because you you can't push it down and you can't get over it. You have to grow through it. Brian, have you given that speech before? No. Oh my it's God. The first you just time made I've me said that. You just made me cry. Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm just like actually crying listening to you because you're so right. Like, and that is really hard to put your finger on, but you just did it so beautifully. I'm really glad this is recorded. Just the way you explained it is like, yes, the borrowing of the energy and just all of the emotion. I mean, I'm such a music person too. So like this is huge for me. Yeah. And and it's like, yeah, just the appreciation of music in general. Ugh. Thank you for that. That was great. Use what you have. There is a third song, and it oh, is my favorite okay. song on earth. What and it? it has helped me through all the grief I've ever had in my life. And that might be losing, like, somebody breaking up with me, losing sure. a grandparent, just having a difficulty where you just don't understand what's happening. And that's the song Ghost by the Indigo Girls. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed. I have met them. Amy came to the Gulf Aquarium, or the Georgia Aquarium, and I worked there, and I introduced her to sea otters. Stop it. And I was like, you have no idea you got me through. Rites of Passage got me through college. college. And and so Ghost, to me, had Mm. always meant, I feel sad for the things that are gone. I'm still in love with them, but that's okay. Like, I need you to know, like, it's a letter to your past. It's a letter to yourself. It's sad, you know, the way they write it is just, the words are gorgeous. They're just a beautiful expression. It just spoke to me in so many ways, because obviously I'm very, I'm an emotional person and I could apply that. And then when Clayton passed away, it was the moment where that song hit harder than ever mm-hmm. because I'm always going to be in love with him. Yeah, I'm in love with your ghost. I'm always going. To, now you got me crying. <laughs> um, that, that was it. It expresses everything, but it validates it. Yeah. It doesn't make it a bad thing. It doesn't make you feel guilty because you're living in the past. It just says, I'm always going to love you. Yeah. And isn't that what everyone wants? Yeah. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that Clayton somehow knows that he is remembered, that he is always going to be loved, and that my blog and my Facebook posts will go on forever. Mm -hmm. And maybe they won't know him, but Mm -hmm. they'll know of him. Yeah. And that will inspire them to love the people in their life even more. And that your new love loves him too. Yes, yes. I think that's the thing we all want. We all want to be eternal. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned is it's it's love. That's the way to go. It's being a good person. It's mm-hmm. creating from terrible things 
positivity. And that's why I do what I do. If I could have him back, I would. It's not going to happen. It's never going to get him back. I could sit and wallow in it, but that's not going to do any good. So what is my actual reason for being here? Yeah. To sit around and not do anything. People are way too important for that. We have way too many things to do. Yeah. You're on a mission. Take the things that hurt and turn it into something that helps other people. Brian, what is one thing you're really looking forward to? Oh, there's so many things. How can mm. you, how do I pick? So tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, is what's like, tomorrow? I don't want to rush this, but when I'm done mm. with this, I get to go out and have dinner with Devin. You know, Yay. I there's there's big things that I'm really excited about. I want to turn my widowed blog into a book because I think it will you should. help people. Yes. Um, I would love to replace Ellen DeGeneres because she's retiring. Ooh, you, oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I said it out loud. It's recorded. I love you. (laughs) I think you should do that. There's lots of things. I keep telling myself that I've spent so much of my time worrying and about the amazing things that might happen in the future that I'm not as present as I should. So Mm. I look forward every day to the realization in the moment of what I have. Like right now, being able to sit here and have this conversation with you, I'm extraordinarily grateful. Thank you. Me too. And can I just, I'm just going to say, I just love you. Like this is really so nice, Brian. Thank you. It's been amazing. I love what you do. It's it's so important. It's not easy to go through these conversations with people because it's going to rehash memories for yourself. Yeah. But that shows that you're using your difficulties. You're turning them in. I call them grief gifts. Mm. You've turned something sad into something that is strong Mm. and, and it creates a space that's safe for other people. And for that, you should be honored and thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That seems like the perfect place to end. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brian, thank you so, so much. All right. Thank you. Enjoy your dinner. (laughs) All right. Have a great night. Bye. Bye. All right, so we just have one last episode of season one and potentially some bonus episodes over the summer. So if you want to be caught up on all of the happenings, first of all, make sure you're following on Instagram at Dating After Death. And then also subscribe or follow the show. That way you will get notifications on your phone. If I do happen to randomly post, because I don't have a schedule for the summer, but I may put up some bonus episodes here and there. And the Instagram page will continue to run, of course. So that's it for today. We'll see you next week with a very exciting guest. This has been Dating After Death.